Well, as Lori has already welcomed you, uh, if you're newer with us, my name is Brian and have the privilege of being one of the pastors here and bringing you today's message. And just to get a sense uh, for who you are in the room, uh, I've taken this poll before, but it's been a while and I want to get a sense with uh, what we are, kind of where we all stand in the room when it comes to our birth order. Lots of interesting studies on how we develop as it relates to our birth order. So just to get a feel uh, for us here today, uh, by a show of hands, how many oldest children in the room today? Yeah, oh, I, I love it. It's very astute. It's just like, you know, <laughs> responsible on top of it. Uh, very, very good. Uh, and then with that, how many, and we'll kind of lump these two together because I find you all have the same issues. Um, <laughs> only children and the youngest, the babies. How many babies? Oh, <laughs> they're like waving. Look at me, I'm the baby. <laughs> so predictable. Uh, and then last, um, how many, by a show of hands, middle children in the room? Uh, no one cares, so. <laughs> my bias might have already been tipped. I am the, I'm the oldest of, of three boys, and uh, the truth is, uh, if, if you are a parent uh, here in the room today, you recognize that whether it's your oldest, your middle, or your youngest, uh, you want to do and want what is best for your kids in your life. And so we're going to look a little bit at that today, but I'll try to work to get everyone in the room involved uh, as we conclude our series entitled Extreme Home Makeover, where uh, we have recognized that uh, when it comes to what God wants to do in our life's most important relationships, regardless of whether you're single, married, kids, no kids, uh, that he wants to give us more than just what we said, just good advice. But instead, he wants to help us live in the good news. The good news is we just sang about that we have a relationship with God that then informs and empowers by the Holy Spirit all of our life's relationships. Uh, we've also said it this way, that as we look at God's word, there is a, an extreme, to use that language, an extreme difference between the ways of God when it comes to approaching our life's most important relationships and frankly the ways of this world. And so as we conclude this series, the, the challenge we've faced along the way and, and face again today is really just recognizing one of the challenges is just all the different seasons and I guess you could say categories of relationship life that we are in just in this room alone. Uh, we have today among us, we have single people, single moms, single dads, dating people. Uh, we have married people with children in the house. We have um, unmarried people with children in the house. We have married people with adult children who have moved out of the house. We have married people with adult children who can't get their adult children out of the house. We have blended families. There's divorce in our stories. We have widows, widowers, and uh, even amongst we actually have kids in the room with us today, which is awesome. But the question and the challenge then is how do we face and address all these diverse contexts in just one sermon? And then a second uh, big challenge we face is, particularly when it comes to family life and God's word, is to be real honest before you this morning, there's just not a lot of great examples of family life in the Bible. Uh, I mean, you think about it, the very first family ever uh, is also the story of the very first homicide ever. We've got Adam and Eve who have Cain and Abel and sibling rivalry gone bad. Cain murders his brother Abel. Later, you have uh, Jacob, 
uh, who was later named Israel, as in the father of the nation of God's chosen people that we read about in the Old Testament. Uh, And the way he got that opportunity was he uh, deceived and tricked and stole from his older brother the birthright to become the father of a nation. So that's kind of a weird start to God's chosen people. And then when you come to even the parents of Jesus Christ himself, his earthly parents, in Luke chapter 2, if you know the story, the, they actually lost Jesus. They lost the Son of God. It's like uh, they, they left him at the temple courts. And uh, it's like, you know, Joseph, you know, Mary's like, Joseph, did, did you pick up Jesus from the kids' ministry? She's like, Mary, I, I gave you that little sticker thing. It was on you to, to pick them up. I didn't have the sticker. And she's like, Joseph, that was three days ago. And so... And so we see these stories in Scripture of family life, and it's like, oh man, there's not really a lot of great examples, but in a very ironic way, it's actually kind of comforting because we recognize that as we mess it up in our own lives and in our family lives, that even in the Bible, the family life struggles uh, encourage us because even they didn't get it all right. And so uh, the question is, what then can we do? If we don't have a lot of great examples of family life in the Bible, what can we learn from Scripture when it comes to approaching, again, our life's most important relationships um, and across the board? Well, we can learn and we can experience, we can understand what, frankly, the people of Scripture did grab a hold of uh, as, as we read throughout Scripture. And that is that we can learn. We can understand, we can pursue God's ideals, God's ways, God's direction for our families and our life's relationships, even though the only thing we're guaranteed is that we won't get it all right. Uh, We recognize, nevertheless, God's ways, his ideals are still the best, and they are still worth pursuing, even though we know we won't get it all right. And so today, the passage of scripture that we're going to look at when it comes to seeking God's ideals in our family life or other relationships is coming from what is called Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, which we can find in, in Matthew chapter 5 uh, through 7. So I invite you to turn there and, um, in your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, you should find one in the pew rack in front of you that you can certainly use. And as you do that, um, the Sermon on the Mount, really, uh, when it came to Jesus' earthly ministry with all the teaching and the preaching that he did, Uh, You could call this his magnum opus. This was uh, the sermon where we get, or this is the sermon, where we get more direct teaching and understanding of what Jesus had to say about how to follow him than any other single place in Scripture. Uh, Some of the popular teachings that come out of the Sermon on the Mount, ones that are known by both Christians and non-Christians alike, uh, for example, are, are what Jesus has to say about how we approach an enemy. Jesus says this upside down understanding that actually the best way to approach an enemy is to actually love your enemy and to pray for those who do you wrong. Uh, Elsewhere in that sermon, he talks about how you can have a life without worry by focusing on him and his kingdom and how that will eliminate the uh, the worries that we face in our lives. Uh, And it's also where Jesus teaches us uh, that model prayer that we pray regularly here called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and so there's, it's just packed full of all these things that help us understand, really, you could say, and we do this a lot, we like search the index for maybe a subject or a topic that we want to face uh, or understand what the Bible has to say about, but anytime we're looking for how to address a topic in, in, in our lives, whether it's our home life or anything else, really, that topic is secondary. 
But the primary topic we always want to understand more and more of is what does Jesus have to say about how you approach life in general and then from there apply it to our life's topics, whether the topic be home life or any other topic. Um, Thus, today, of course, is going to be including our homes. And so today we're going to take some selected scriptures from the Sermon on the Mount when it comes to both parenting the next generation and for those of us who aren't in a season of parenting in our lives uh, actively could say, what does it mean for us as the church to be responsible to raise up the next generation to follow Jesus Christ all the days of their life? Okay, and so the first and primary passage that's really going to be the launch pad for uh, everything else we look at is going to be in Matthew chapter 6. So you're going to have to flip another page there. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. We look at verse 19 through 21, and Jesus says this. He says, when it comes to your whole approach to life, he says, do not... Store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For in the end, where your treasure is, your heart will be also." Last week, Pastor Josh, uh, he cautioned us about giving too much attention uh, to what we could call the futile many things, uh, the earthly things, if you will, at the expense of the essential one thing, of our eternal treasure, which is our relationship with God in Jesus Christ. And we would be hard-pressed to disagree that there is no greater temptation to Uh, you could say, focus on the earthly treasures than during the years of parenting our children. That with the increase of activities and opportunities, uh, as they increase with age, really, so do the opportunities for earthly treasure and things like that. And so, in light of that understanding, I want to pose to you a few questions uh, that I want you to reflect on in your own head as to how, uh, you could say, we're doing when it comes to investing in earthly treasure versus eternal treasure. And um, so I'm going to ask you some questions, and this is if you are, you could say, parenting kids in your home at this time. That's the stage of life you are in, or if you plan to, or if you want to think about this. So question number one to consider. When it comes to your child's activities, such as like athletics and clubs and things like that, How intentional and how involved are you? Well, I'm guessing for the most part, as parents, you you probably try to show up and be engaged in your kids' activities or sports, maybe even help out with coaching or something like that, and so that's all good. Um, Maybe you aim for that when it comes to your kids' extracurricular activities. Uh, Second area um, that we focus on is when it comes to your child's, you could say, school career, their schoolwork, or their homework. How intentional and involved are you in that regard? Again, I'm guessing that uh, even though we now know that we are not smarter than a fifth grader, thanks to the television show, um, we, we do our best to try to jump in and to help out with homework and school projects and studying in any way we can, wanting our kids to do their best in that space. And then the third area that I want to address or ask you about, or ask myself about, just the same, 
is when it comes to what we believe the mission of your life is, the mission of your child's life, or it's the mission of our church, that we would uh, raise children to become devoted followers of Jesus Christ all the days of their life, how intentional, how involved are you? And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I am the chief of sinners. This. I work at a church and I struggle with this. That, you know, when it comes to my kids' schoolwork and extracurricular activities and sports, I mean, I coach just about everything they'll let me coach. I'm involved. Uh, you know, I want college resume builders. I want them to get good jobs that makes money, that gets the things that they need and want. Uh, again, so none of these things are bad things. But as Jesus said, in the end, they are merely treasures on earth. That in the end will be food for moths, and mice. And so it's why it's essential that we have to zoom out. We have to consistently and constantly uh, evaluate the uh, amount of energy and priority and time that we are placing on not just earthly treasure, but investing in eternal treasure when it comes to our children's lives. Um, because really the temptation is, uh, when it comes to this category, is to think we're doing pretty good because of what's happening right now. That, you know, hey, we're here and we've taken our kids to the kids' programming. We've dropped them off. They're, they're getting good stuff. And that's all good. But really, that is, in all fairness, only half of the equation. Uh, and we recognize this, that for years the church has done a disservice to families by saying, hey, you just drop your kids off with us in kids' ministry. We'll have them, you know, spiritualized, baptized, and dry cleaned, ready for pickup their senior year. Uh, but that's what the church exists to do. And uh, we recognize that that's ineffective and really not biblical because uh, in the end, really, um, you know, as much as the church is not designed to raise devoted followers of Jesus Christ apart from your role as parents and aunts and uncles and grandparents, nor, again, are you all as parents designed to raise your children to become devoted followers of Jesus Christ apart from the support of the church. And so we have adopted this understanding called uh, orange when it comes to our philosophy and our approach to ministry. And, and really it's just kind of a, a um, I guess you could say a metaphor for what we're trying to accomplish by having the church and the home work together. And so the way this illustration works, if you're unfamiliar, is that the church is represented uh, by yellow, by that light bulb, that the church is understood to be the light of the world. And then that when that works together with the heart of the home, the red represent the heart of the home, that when we work together, the church and the family in unison, then we are uh, approaching it from an orange understanding. That when the church and home work together, yellow and red, we have an orange ministry. And so that's what our understanding and our approach. That's why we're having a sermon on the very topic because we see that we want to work together as families, as homes, along with the church to do our best to raise up the next generation to become devoted followers of Jesus Christ, that we would not just focus on the good things, but that we would give our energy and our attention and our best to the very most important thing, and that is raising our young people to be devoted followers of Jesus Christ all the days of their life. And so uh, we want to give you some, uh, today some practical ways in which we can raise devoted followers of Jesus Christ, both as parents uh, aunts, uncles, grandparents, family members, but also, again, with the orange understanding, as a church, how we are all responsible for that, regardless of uh, we are in the stage of parenting children or not, okay? So the first way that we can do this, uh, again, whether as parents or as part of this church, is to, number one, as we just mentioned, take advantage, take advantage of the orange opportunities that are already provided for you by your church, 
Um, so a few of these ways which we try to be intentional in bringing yellow and red together is, uh, first of all, each year you will get invitations if you have uh, young children for what we call family milestone or family faith events where uh, Lori Putnam, our family ministry director who you met earlier here in the service, she will lead you alongside your child in the subject areas. It's a learning experience together in the important subjects of what it means to work together to help your child to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, you will learn in these sessions the importance of Scripture, uh, the role of communion, about tithing and generosity. You learn about baptism and, and accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Uh, then as they progress in age, you can do mission trips together. And, uh, and as well as uh, we, we really put a lot of energy into transitioning our kids from, from graduation into adulthood, uh, whether college or careers uh, alike. And so you have these opportunities each year where you have these shared family experiences, not just separated like we can be on the weekend. Um, then beyond that, not just on an annual basis, but on a week-to-week basis, uh, what you find available, um, and the kids take these little sheets home, and they're also online at firstdecatur.org, uh, are these uh, age-specific sheets called parent cues or God time cards, depending on which age group your kid is in. And what those are are opportunities to set up conversations for you between the weekends uh, based on what your child learned uh, on the weekend and what they experienced in the worship uh, time together. And so there are questions and conversations that you can continue to dialogue, you know, at the heart of the home, read Monday through Friday, that reflect uh, what they looked at uh, at the yellow at church over the weekend and thus becoming orange. So take advantage of those things, you know, when you drive time, take a look at them um, and use those with your, with your kids uh, if that's the stage of life you're in. Uh, and then one more when it comes to this aspect of uh, orange, particularly the yellow side that, again, this applies to all of us, parents and non-parents alike, uh, is that is that the most important thing that's happening as far as from the church's perspective right now is with those adults who actually aren't in the room right now. The adults who have come alongside you as parents uh, to serve together to help be a part of this church raising the next generation of devoted followers of Jesus Christ by their involvement in what's happening right now the same time that we're sitting in here. And so, uh, just real candid, as we have uh, increased the ministry capacity and space in that that new area, uh, we are getting new families week after week after week. And as we enter the fall season, that's just going to expound exponentially. And so, we are in a new season where, and we're not, it's not our thing to say we're desperate for volunteers. We're never desperate. We want the best. We want uh, by any means. But we do want you to know that we are going to need new volunteers, new people serving together for, again, the next generation to come and to raise up to follow Jesus Christ so that this doesn't happen. Um, In the Old Testament, after Moses and Joshua did all their stuff, uh, go ahead and go to that verse. Uh, It says, once they died, it's It says, after that whole generation had been gathered up to their ancestors, died. Uh, It says, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And so that responsibility to not happen is on us. It's on us. And so um, to be a part of, again, making sure that doesn't happen in our next generation, an active way in our church, we put uh, in the program today on the other side of that Connect card that Lori pointed out, uh, it says Next Step. And it says we'd be happy to have you be a part of our, uh, again, raising the next generation up to follow Jesus. And as you look at that, I'd invite you to take it out because it's probably not what you think. Um, I hear this one a lot. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm just not a teacher. 
Um, you know, and you, as you look at those particular roles, very few of them have anything to do with teaching. There's lots of other roles and opportunities, both uh, live on the weekends as well as even behind the scenes throughout the week that help make happen what it is that we are doing when it comes to uh, working in our kids' areas. You don't even have to, in some of these, you don't even have to really like kids that much. I mean, anyone can do material prep before the weekend, so <laughs> you don't have to like kids, but you can have uh, a commitment to what we are committed to as a church. And that is raising up devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So I'd invite you to explore that. And then uh, at the end of the service, uh, Lori will be up front and she'll be glad to talk with you a little bit more about what it might look like to get you involved. Okay, shameless plug over. Fair enough? Fair enough. Okay, so take advantage of the orange opportunities, whether as a parent or as a church, to get involved in what it means to raise up this next generation to follow Christ. All right? So that's the first one. Second thing uh, that we all uh, not could do, but absolutely should do and need to do, and that is really the number one thing, and that is to pray. We need to pray for our children. We need to pray for the next generation in this regard. Uh, Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, uh, again, he gives us that model prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And just to name a few of those prayer lines uh, that you can pray over your children and over the next generation, uh, first off, uh, it says, God, and we sang this at the very top of it, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, that's what we want. We want God's will, right, to be done in our children's lives. We want to pray that. Um, or how about this one? Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, you know, give, give us today what we need today. Uh, I think this prayer is probably for parents. It's like, God, just give me what I need one more day to parent this kid. Uh, so that, that, that one's for you, parents. Uh, and then how about this one? Lead them out of temptation. Deliver them from evil. Uh, it's a prayer that we want to pray every day over our children. And uh, with that, I would add to that. For those of you who um, you don't have kids in the home, but you have adult children, uh, again, wherever they're at on their spectrum with their relationship to the Lord, whether they're close to him or far from him, you know, it's never too late. Continue to pray for your children. As my mom always says, I don't care how old you are, you're always going to be my child. Uh, so you can always pray for your children. Um, in fact, in this regard, when it comes to the orange philosophy, the understanding of how is the church coming alongside of you when it comes to prayer, uh, this past Monday night at our elders meeting, uh, we took actually every family name in the, in the life of the church that we had on record, uh, and we divvied them up among the elders. Each elder and pastor had about 50 family names, and we went and we actually prayed as individuals for every single family in our church by names. You've been prayed for, and they've committed to do that over the next month, to pray for you, to come alongside you in your family uh, in this regard. So just, a, again, a cool way in which we're trying to work together, um, not just in programming, but what matters most, and that is God's work among, among us. In fact, as we recognize that, you know, parenting, hard work, a lot of work. No one would deny that. But I love the quote by Pastor Bill Hybels when it comes to this. He says, um, when we work, sure, we work. But when we pray, God works. I love that. When we pray, God works. And so pray. Pray uh, for the next generation. Pray for yourself as a parent if that's the stage you're in. And pray for your children. All right, we've got to pray. Uh, third uh, way we can uh, raise up the next generation to follow Jesus Christ is to actively follow Jesus Christ by being on mission together, by living on mission together. Uh, Jesus says it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 5, he says, you are the salt of the earth. 
In other words, you are to be the flavor of Jesus Christ. That when people get a taste of your family in whatever context they get a taste of you in, are they getting a taste of what it means to follow Jesus Christ? As Jesus goes on to say, he says, you are the light of the world. That you as the church are not gathered here for an hour on a Sunday morning. This isn't church, but you are the church as you live your lives. You are the light of the world. So let your light shine before others. That that when they get a taste of you, that they may see your good deeds, and then as a result of the life that you live, that they might then glorify their Father in heaven. They might see God in your family. Uh, In fact, to this regard, when the elders and pastors prayed for your families, uh, the very specific edge of that prayer was we were praying for your two for ten. Uh, if you recall that magnet that we handed out a few weeks ago, that as we um, strive for this vision of reaching 10% of our community over the next 10 years, uh, that happens with us with our reaching our friends, our family members, our neighbors first. And so we are praying specifically for you in your ability to be salt and light to, as you pray for, to invest in and to invite uh, the people you listed on that magnet um, into a journey of faith for themselves toward Jesus Christ. Okay? So we invite you, be intentional when it comes to living as salt and light among those whom God has called us to in our lives. All right? And then a fourth way that we uh, can help our kids become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ is to, we'll say it this way, relentlessly instill the pursuit of purity in their lives. Uh, and really, again, this is one of those topics, regardless of where you're at in the room, this applies to all of us. In fact, in week one, we talked about this in regard to our approach to singleness or marriage, that we don't want a hint of impurity, that we have to, in a world that in no way sets us up to win in this way, we have to relentlessly pursue the pursuit of purity in our own lives, as well as in our instilling that in our own kids' lives. It's very interesting, actually, to me, as I look at this primary passage that we looked at in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, where we just looked at the beginning where Jesus says to invest in eternal treasure. Right after that verse, the very next verse, in verse 22, Jesus uh, follows it up this way, that, which I find interesting in light of wanting to give eternal treasure. He says, verse 22, that the eye, he says, it's the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, well, then your whole body will be full of light. Uh, But if your eyes are unhealthy, if what comes into your eyes is unhealthy, well, then your whole body will be full of darkness. And he says this about this combatant between light and darkness. He says, if that light within you is darkness, well, then how great then must that darkness be? And so we recognize in our culture, in our society, there is no place that these two verses caution us more than when it comes to the area of sexual purity. And uh, so to help you in this regard, I know we can't spend a ton of time on just this one subject, but I want to give you some resources that I've been working through personally as my own children approach that that pubescent stage of life. Uh, And it's two books we have in the Mosaic Cafe. It's called Preparing Your Son for Every Man's Battle and Preparing Your Daughter for Every Woman's Battle. Uh, Recognizing this, that when it comes to sexuality with our kids, you know, as we look back on our own stories, you, you might have had, if you remember, the talk. You know what I'm talking about? The talk. Um, if you even had a the talk. Uh, I would guess for 99% of us in the room, uh, if it even came, it probably came about three years too late because we'd already learned about that on the bus. And um, 
really probably wasn't that helpful even anyway. Because frankly, our parents, and we all, if we're honest as parents, we, we feel under-equipped and unequipped and just frozen as to how and what uh, to engage and when to engage these topics. But I would suspect that even if that's the case, um, if you're a parent today, and you're, getting, you're part of that large percentage of the, who, who maybe didn't get it done the best way uh, in your own lives, you want more for your kids. You want much more for your children in this regard. Um, and so let's just start by saying this. Uh, again, I'd recommend the resources. Uh, but first off, these conversations, they need to start way sooner than you might think. And you need to have the conversation uh, in plural, that it's no longer the talk uh, because it needs to happen more frequently, more often than you might think. That we need not have just the talk, but we have to have lots of talks, lots of conversations about these things to really help our children win in this regard. Um, and so again, I point you to these books. They're in the cafe or, or Amazon or wherever. It doesn't matter. Uh, the goal really is to help you have the tools to Again, relentlessly instill the pursuit of purity in your kids' lives. Okay, so I want to help you with that. And then lastly for today, um, when it comes to raising the next generation uh, to be devoted followers of Jesus Christ, so what it means to follow Jesus Christ at the big level is here. And that is, let forgiveness, let forgiveness uh, be what you could call um, your operating system. Let forgiveness be the operating system in your family life. You know, we look again at the Lord's Prayer given to us in in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Within that prayer, Jesus says, forgive us our debts, you know, those who uh, are indebted to us, who trespass against us, who sin against us, as we also forgive our debtors. Those who, oh, sorry, who trespass against us, sin against us. We want to be forgiven. We want to extend forgiveness. And in verse 14, just after that, Jesus goes on to say, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, well, then your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a heavy verse uh, that that requires more unpacking. Uh, But essentially it begins here that this idea of forgiveness, it's pretty obvious that this is the way uh, of the Christian life. Um, In fact, we're, because of the largeness of this topic, next week we are starting a new series completely on this topic of forgiveness and grace. Grace being simply a gift we don't deserve, namely forgiveness. Um, And that's going to be on the book of Romans uh, and all through that lens of a study of grace. We're going to look at a study of grace and how this applies uh, in extending grace, receiving grace, and living uh, in everything we do as an operating system, grace. In fact, that operating system comes from this this, uh, kind of metaphor I heard that when it comes to forgiveness in the Christian life, uh, forgiveness, uh, you could say it's not just an an app in the app store, if you're familiar with that understanding, uh, when it comes to the Christian life. But that forgiveness, when it comes to the Christian life, it's the OS. It's the operating system on which this whole Christianity thing runs. Because we think about it, that's why we're in the room, that Jesus Christ, and it talks about this in Romans, while we were yet sinners uh, in debt to God, Christ died for us for the forgiveness of our sins uh, to bring us into a relationship with him so that we would then understand this operating system in all of our other life's relationships that, again, based on forgiveness, we would be able to be informed and empowered to live that way in our earthly relationships as well. 
And so when it comes to our family life, um, I love a story that I heard uh, in um, a book by Michelle Anthony called Spiritual Parenting, also in our resource area over there. Um, but she retells the story of when she was a little girl, and um, she was in the midst of dinner, and her mom and dad got into a heated argument. And her dad, uh, who struggled with controlling his temper, uh, in a quick moment of reaction and rage, uh, picked up his dinner, which was a bowl of chili, and he just hurled it against the wall, shattered glass chili everywhere, uh, to which, you know, she, a little girl at the time, Michelle, terrified, goes running up the stairs into a room, slams the door. Um, so pretty intense uh, moment, obviously not one of dad's most proudest moments. Uh, but after a few minutes, he went into his daughter's room. He sat on the corner of the bed, and this is where the story um, comes to life for me. And he said this, Daddy did not act like Jesus down there. I am sorry. I am asking God to forgive me, and I'm asking you to forgive me. And the author goes on to share, um, as much as she says her dad hates that she shares the story all over the place, uh, that this conversation with her dad was one of the most significant lessons she would ever gain in parenting because it reinforces the gospel. It reinforces what is the good news about the good news of Jesus Christ. Namely, that the power of the Christian life is not in our flawless ability to get it right. And when it comes to parenting, it's not, you know, being a Christian parent isn't about getting everything right and perfect. The power of the Christian faith when it comes to being a parent is what happens when we mess up. What happens when we blow it? And the answer is, through confession both to God and one another, the seeking, the extending, and the living of forgiveness. That forgiveness is what the Christian faith is all about and what it means to raise our kids to know the Christian faith, that they would operate in forgiveness. And so think about this. If you live this out in the rhythm of your home, what does that communicate? Sure, we want our kids to pursue right and good choices, but what about when they fail? Which they will. Have you modeled an extension, a receiving, and a, living, and a living of forgiveness and grace, that as they experience that in your home, they will know that there is forgiveness in you, in their earthly parents, and just as I would say, if not more importantly, that they would know the forgiveness always of their heavenly Father. And so for them to experience this, to be devoted followers of Jesus Christ, and what it means to live in forgiveness from our loving Father, we must model the extension, the receiving, and the living of forgiveness as our operating system. And so when it comes to all of this, uh, all these things that we're trying to do and attempting to do and making the most of our days, uh, I would say one of the most wonderfully yet haunting illustrations uh, that I've come across uh, when it, what we have before us as parents uh, is actually something that you all as parents see every week uh, as you drop your kids off in the first kid's space, if you, if you have kids over there. Uh, and that is, if you walk over there, you'll notice that to your left, as you check your kids in, there are several jars on a shelf full or not so full of marbles. And what these marbles represent is every marble represents a week that you have with your child prior to the age of 18. And so you can see there at the top, uh, top left, a six-week-old child, and you got all the time in the world. you got a jar full of marbles, 930 weeks until they turn 18. However, 
You get just, just to six years old. And look how empty that jar already is. You're already more than a third of the way there. Then you go on 16, 17, and the jars are, are almost empty. The marbles are gone. The weeks have run out. And again, it's, it's, it's a wonderful yet horrible, sobering reality um, that, you know, it's, it's interesting, it's, even as a parent of young kids, I don't, know, I don't know that I encounter a parent of kids who have left the home that I can't have a conversation, and you guys know this if you heard it, you hear this phrase, it's almost cliche, and we blow it off because we hear it so much. What is it? This goes by so fast. And it's true. And so we recognize um, it's not just good advice to recognize the rate at which these weeks will pass by, but it's also biblical. Psalm 90.12 says, Teach us to number our days, to number the limited number of days that we have, that we might, within those days, gain a heart of wisdom. And so may you, as parents and non-parents alike, um, Take advantage of the orange opportunities we have in this church to raise up that next generation. Pray for your children. Pray for the next generation. Uh, As a family, live on mission together, being salt and light to everyone God calls you to. Relentlessly, relentlessly instill the pursuit of purity in a world that is no way setting our kids up to win in this regard. And within all of it, for for where we nail it, for where we blow it, let forgiveness always be the operating system in our family's life. And so it's a lot to take in. And so uh, in this regard, would you allow me to pray for you and to pray for us um, as we do this? Father, we pray um, because it's when you work is when we pray. And we would ask God that you would be doing a work among us, that we would not... Uh, reflect the verse that we see in Judges that our next generation would not raise up to not know you and the things that you want to do in their lives. And so, God, we need your strength. We need your empowerment by your Holy Spirit uh, to do all of this. And we ask your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.